0: guys, welcome to the latest edition of Chat Shiz Get Banged. Uh, we're not live this week. I mean, we are live. We're always live, but we're not actually live. This is a pre-record um, yeah. due to, I don't know, technical difficulties, we'll call it, and, and hopefully going back live next week. Yeah. But I'm here with Fuad Abdul Aziz, the man himself from behind the gloves. No shades, not in the usual spot
1: either. What, what's going no. on? Well... You know, I let's let's be honest to our viewers. It's kind of the reason why we're not live today. Fortunately, I was off schedule. um, Got a last minute. It's no one's fault, but I I just got it last minute. Um, Seeing that we have to come down here to London, near you, near near you, mate, near you. Ready to uh, do some face to face interviews apparently tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Fight camp is just around the corner from me, actually, literally.
0: Yeah, Fuad's off to see the wizard. Wonderful wizard of boxing, I guess. Eddie Hearn,
1: Charlie and the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Tomorrow,
0: who <laughs> are <laughs> the Umpa then? They're nice,
1: I, I guess. The fighters,
0: oh, that's nice. I'll let you tell them that. Yeah, no, I'm I, not I, say that, I, no. We're, we're filming this on a Tuesday night. Um, the interviews with Eddie Hearn are due to take place in a special brunch event tomorrow yep. morning, Wednesday morning. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to go up, but. I was due to be there as well, uh, but I'm not now. I'm sending someone in my place, someone much younger and better looking. Who are Hard to find either. Um, Joe Lee. Who's...
1: Oh, is okay. So it's the first time I'm going to meet him tomorrow. That's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's very much looking forward to meeting Eddie Hearn, and I'm sure he'll like to meet you too. Uh, but yeah, he's he's going to be there, large and in charge. He's, well, yes, uh... I don't know. he's not. He's certainly not large, but he might be in charge for a bit. Um, and I'll be staying back at the ranch to go for all the Zoom conference calls, which I'm sure will be a lot of fun. With only a few days until Fight Camp One, how excited are you about Fight Camp? I know boxing's already back in the UK. Frank Warren's had two shows already; they've been enjoyable. But Fight Camp has been talked about for so long. All the infrastructure, all the effort that's gone into recreating a you know an event venue in the back garden of Matchroom HQ. Are you psyched?
1: Yeah, man, you gotta be because um, I know both of them have got stick. Frank did a really good job of putting his shows on straight away without, like, literally, you know, there was no build up, really. Frank just said, I'm putting it on Bosch, and it came on. Eddie's one was a lot more anticipated because obviously it wasn't the studios, it was something completely random. Uh, So we've been, you know, hyped up for it, psyched up for it for a very long time. And uh, we've already got a treat with the BT show so far, some brilliant, brilliant fights on there. Uh, One more to come, obviously, on Friday. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the fight camp because they've got some really good fights on throughout the whole, uh, you know, event. And uh, it's just boxing back, boxing's back, you know, we've got to appreciate everything we get.
0: Is this the best of the non-pay-per-view fight camp events? There's obviously three. Uh, This one's got, what, Gil Bellotti, Egginton Cheeseman in the main event, um, Fabio Waldley, Simon Valilli, which I know a lot of people are looking forward to as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to name every fight, but, you know, Dalton Smith taking a step up as well. And and that's probably the kind of lesser fight on the card, and it's still a really intriguing fight. So I think it's probably, for me anyway, the best of the three per view
1: I think, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned it there. I think you've got a very good point. Um, I'm literally going to go and pull up those other ones because I want to make sure when I say um, that it is the best one. Um, You did this last week, right?
0: And I think you got your cards mixed up because you got me thinking that Sam Maxwell against Joe Hughes was last weekend. And I was really looking forward to it. They put on the Joe Joyce show and I still enjoyed it. But it's like, where's Maxwell? It's not until the end of August.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think um, this one definitely is the strongest one. Gil Belotti, great fight. Wardley-Vivilli, Eglinton-Cheeseman, tennyson Gwynn. So, yeah, it's a, it's probably the best one. Obviously, next, the one after that, uh, Terry Harper, Jonas is a very good fight as well. Um, and the next one is Cash as well, one as a main event um, with maybe a, a lesser in terms of stronger supporting acts on the, on the card. But, yeah, this one's definitely the strongest one for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the main event can't miss. Regardless no, of how no. Cheeseman chooses to box, and obviously Eggington, no offence to him, can only really box one way, or only chooses to box one way, certainly. Um, yeah. Cheeseman could get on his toes like he did against Fitzgerald for the majority of the fight, or he can meet him head-on like he has for the majority of his career. But mm-hmm. either way, they're going to meet at some point, um, probably quite early in the fight, and it'll it'll just be pure entertainment. It might not be the best technical fight we've ever seen, but I can't see it
1: not being entertaining. Yeah no it's uh, I spoke to both of them on a, on a double interview and it was weird because like I genuinely felt their energy through the screen I mean they weren't saying much but I could feel the fire energy in terms of they were they both have mutual respect for each other that you could see that on, on the interview but also it was like I can't ever think way to get in there and, and and try bash your head in. Like they've got that type of energy, the both of them, the pair of them. Um, but I think I'm I'm re- I'm really looking forward to Gil Belotti, to be honest, on that card. I think that's a really good fight in terms of um uh, people are uh, you know maybe going with uh Gil over, you know, his performances domestic scene-wise. Uh but then again, Belotti can, you know, he can hit, man. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good fight. what's your thoughts on that one? I think that one stands out to me on the whole card.
0: At first, I wasn't kind of overly enamoured with it just because of the form line. I know, you know, A beats B, B beats C, all of that isn't u- isn't always, you know, a reliable indicator. But the fact that Belotti had lost to Ryan Doyle, who had then lost to Gill, I mm. thought, you know, Bellotti since come back with a good performance, I know, out in Italy and also against Ryan Walsh. But well, I felt Gill was a healthy favourite. But then as it's got closer and closer and just hearing opinions from other people in the trade and stuff, I'm starting to warm to it more now. And I think yeah. it is technically it's going to be an entertaining fight. And we've seen Gil under pressure before struggling. And I know there were issues with the fight that he lost against Enrique Tinoco. Were, um, he was ill going in and probably shouldn't have fought that night. But if Bellotti puts on intelligent pressure and hits probably harder than Tinoco, it's going to be a really interesting fight.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. I think, Dalton Smith as well, you know. No, when, when when someone talks in boxing, Danny, you know, sometimes you can see right through them. And someone like Dalton Smith, with like, um, you know, he's fought all his life. His dad, his is is his coach, so there's no BS around the camp. There's no, uh, you know, fakeness around the camp, and you can always tell with them uh, that whole camp, in fact, that you know they're ready to fight. Anyone really, and and Dalton early in his career, you know, he's he's a ticket seller. He's uh, he's he's got the uh, backing he be of. What not
0: selling any tickets for this one? Well, no, I'm
1: saying, oh, yeah. I'm just saying, uh, what I'm saying is, he's a ticket. He can't. He this, He can't sell tickets. He has his amateur pedigree. He's a great. We know how good he is. So he could have easily turned around and said, No, I don't want to take this risk too early in my career, and then and he's stepping up.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good to see. And I think Nathan Bennett had called him out on social media and Dalton <clears throat> yeah. was only too happy to accept the challenge straight away. And as you said, great pedigree from the amateurs and through his dad as well. You know, he trains in a gym with the Edwards brothers and you can't get much better in the UK certainly than that. They're very skilled technical operators and he'll learn a great deal from them as much as, as from his dad as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. We'll, well, let's move on to uh, some uh, some exciting news that broke earlier the week. Was it was earlier this week, no? It was early, uh, end of next week, uh, last week, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, was well, not the end of next week? <laughs> unless you can see <laughs> it into the future. Into right. The
1: future, mate. I'm looking into the future.
0: And you're talking uh, about the, um, the the most hyped exhibition fight we've seen in many years.
1: The greatest exhibition fight we've seen ever.
0: It's an exhibition fight, but it's eight rounds. 12-ounce gloves, which is only a little bit heavier than the 10-ounce that normal fighters would be using in a proper fight, and no headguards. So how much of an exhibition is it really? Like, I saw a quote right earlier because I wrote an article about this for the website, and I saw a quote from something Foster, isn't it? Mark Foster, maybe, who's the executive director of the California State Athletic Commission who was sanctioning the, the exhibition. And he said something like, yeah, you know, they're not going to try and take each other's heads off. It's just two modern legends moving around with each other. And I thought, what a load of rubbish. Well, they might have told him that to kind of get it sanctioned. But by the time they get in that ring with the pride they've both got, and they're going to try and take each other's head off. No doubt about it. You think? I think they'll try and smash each other, yeah. I think whoever does it first will provoke that reaction in the other. Yeah.
1: What if? Uh, let's talk about that then, actually you think they're going to come out all guns blazing? And even if it was, you know, sanctioned, like, all right, lads, go ahead. Try take each other's heads off. You know, let's let's talk about it from a casual standpoint. I know we've got a lot of diehards, but like, don't talk about Tyson Jones. No one cares. But who who do you think is going to come out on top if they did go toe-to-toe and really try to snap someone's head off?
0: I think Jones has got a really good chance if he's smart about it. I think... Yeah. A lot of people get carried away with Tyson, right? Because they've seen what incredible shape he's in for a man of his age, which is really impressive. He's just ripped to shreds. They've seen his, the videos of him on the on the pads, and he looks devastating. The power is definitely still there, but he hasn't fought for 15 years, and during that time, he smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> he's not yeah. exactly in prime athletic condition at this stage in his life. Roy Jones only retired two and a half years ago. But He was losing when he retired. Well, he actually won four in a row, but he was losing at a good level before that. Like Enzo Macaronelli beat him, didn't he? Uh, You know, fairly decent level. But two years, two and a half years, and he's a trainer now as well. So it's not like he's gone completely away from working out and and being part of the sport. I just think he's so much closer to his peak than Tyson.
1: Well, a flip argument to that. Tyson, yeah, has been retired for 15 years. We're talking about someone who's the baddest man on the planet. And, and you know, I'm sure he can, after <clears throat> taking those 15 years off, I'm sure he's got some sort of spark uh, that he wants to fight. That's why he was crying and that's why he's back. But what my point is, is that Roy Jones Jr., as we know, retired way too late from <laughs> professional boxing. He's sure. got a lot more wear and tear on his on his brain and his body. So ca- can he take, you know, a, a 15-year clean Clean in terms of like not actually being in the boxing ring, and 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 a lot, you know, he's he's. I'm sure he's strong. He, he, we've seen him hit the pads, pads or pads, but he's still looking good. He's looking sharp. Would he, would he be able to take a Tyson shot after being, you know, worn down way longer than Tyson has?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's more for me whether he takes a clean Tyson shot. I, I imagine Tyson's going to be so rusty, and you know, if he's rusty for the first two, three, four rounds and then starts to get his rhythm back, by that point, he might be gassing. So yeah. it's like, you don't know. I mean, presumably he's going to spar in the build-up. Presumably they're both going to spar in the build-up. They're going to take this relatively seriously. So mm. Tyson will know in the gym whether it's still there or not. But he he declined so much by the yeah. point when he retired. You don't suddenly get that back over 15 years of inactivity, do you? I mean, logic dictates you don't anyway.
1: We might see some magic on September 12th, mate. You might see some magic, but you know what? I want to actually mention um, the other ultimate fight on that card, which is Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. I mean, what an absolute stunner of a fight! Jake Paul turns professional. He wants to fight KSI. You know, the boys they they talk about a potential career as professional boxers. Well, Jake does anyway. KSI's got a lot more on, and then he turns around and fights a, a pro basketballer who's never boxed a day in his life. What an interesting situation.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with Lou Bella on this one. And when we did our DeBella's Digest, he said he's happy for Jones and Tyson to fight each other, hopes they come out healthy and have fun with the match. But Jake Paul, who the wants to see that? Yeah. <laughs> and I agree with him. I mean, God, Jake Paul, when he's up against someone like KSI, if that comes together, yeah, why not? You know, at least they both got a bit of name value. We've seen them both in the ring on televised shows before. No one takes it too seriously, but they've got those profiles. I'm not a massive basketball fan. I don't know who this guy is that he's fighting, but, you know, I find it very hard to care about that match.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's an interesting times living in the boxing world.
0: But he is coming in on, on good form. You know, he's 1-0. 2-0. 2, and o. <laughs>
1: Two and o. Well, if you count his amateur fight, 1-0 as a pro, yeah.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. 1-0 as a pro against, what, Big Nose Gnar or whatever. <laughs>
1: You're on fire.
0: Uh, Well, that's that's his, that's his, it's reversed, isn't it? Or Anderson give his big nose, no backwards or whatever. I don't really understand it. I'm not, I'm not down with the kids, not to that extent anyway, but, or any extent, if anyone's watching, (laughs) for for, authorities or anything. (laughs) Sounds well seedy, doesn't it? But getting (laughs) back to the point, yeah, don't really want to see Jake Paul on my TV screen, but I might watch the exhibition. I think a lot of people will watch it. It's kind of a guilty pleasure.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, like, for me, I've never watched a Tyson fight live. I mean, I was too young when, when he was fighting, even in his oh, late period. Oh. So, it, honestly, like, whatever it is, even if it's just them going in and tippy-tapping around and having a laugh, it's going to be so awesome just to watch them move, like, in the ring. That's legendary. I hope they don't go knock each other out because then, you know, we might have an issue. But if they go in and, you know, jab-jab and move on, it's gonna be it's going to be so nice to see. Just as a boxing fan who, who watches it... As living, So it'd be pretty good, cool to see that. Now we should also, as we've mentioned, Eddie Hearn, we should also take a
0: trip to Planet Warren um, yep. and BT Studios. He had a show on Saturday night, as we've kind of alluded to briefly, Joe Joyce in the main event, took care of German Michael Valish, pretty much as expected, got him out of there in the third round, but took a few shots en route, which seemed to cause a bit of consternation on social media regarding how he would cope if he took similar amount of full blooded shots from one Daniel Dubois, who he's scheduled to fight in October. What did you make of Joyce's performance?
1: He did what he had to do, but then also, yeah, right, you, you got to think about it. The guy's been out the ring for how long has it been now? He's been out the ring for a good chunk of time. When was the last time he fought? It's like last summer, wasn't it, against Brian Jennings? Exactly. So that was it, yeah, last that was exactly in July last year. That's crazy. So he's been out for a year. And he's not a young fighter. He's gonna have some rust on him. Unlike Daniel Dubois, who, if he was out for a year, I think he, he'd be—you know—it wouldn't affect him as much because he's a lot younger. Um, I don't know why people are still surprised at the fact that Joe Joyce takes shot, shots. <laughs> <Like>, that's that, <laughs> what that, I said on whole, Twitter. Part, that's the whole part and point of Joe Joyce. That's how he's like. If you never watched Joe Joyce fight before, yeah, exactly. We know he takes shots to come forward. It's just his style. So if you're gonna say, "Oh, is he gonna get hit against?" Uh, Daniel Dubois. well, he's not exactly Floyd Mayweather, he's not going to go in there to duck and weave, he's going to go into, you know hopefully, he's going to try and take some shots I think, that's what I'm presuming from his past performances, and, and lay some of his own, that's why it's going to be such a good fight because it's not going to last long whoever knocks whoever out first, they're not going to dance around, so yeah, um, but no going back to your question, his performance was uh, what it had to be, it, he didn't take long, three rounds is alright, nice, nice combination work, body shot was beautiful Um, And it's Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce is Joe Joyce, and and he showed, actually, even though he did take them shots earlier in the round, at his age, to be out for a year and come and take those shots and win in the third round. It's impressive, you
0: know? Out of the four undercard performers, or the four undercard victors,
1: who impressed you the most? Um... Which one? Louis Lynn was good, wasn't he? Louis Lynn's knockout was solid. Louis, I saw Louis Lynn's performance. I didn't watch the Denzel Bentley fight. How did that one go? I, I, I missed that one. I thought he did well, yeah. I mean, Mick Hall hadn't had a competitive fight
0: for about three years. Um, He'd had like one comeback fight after two years out that he was expected to win and then went straight in with Bentley. You would take that opportunity if you were Mick Hall, of course. But yeah, it turned into a bit of a one-sided fight after the first few rounds. He-, he had some success early, Hall, but then after that, Bentley took over. I thought he looked yep. pretty good. He was very critical of himself in the post-fight interview, which I thought was a good sign, really, that, that he's his own kind of harshest critic. And even though he did pretty well, I've still considered there were things that he needed to improve. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good performance overall. I thought Chris Bork's performance was probably the best of mm. all of them, um, including Henry Turner as well, who was on the card. Um, but I thought Chris Borks was the best, partly because he was up against the best opposition of all of them in mm. Ramesh Mahmood, and yeah. just also because he made it look effortless at times.
1: Chris Bork is talented, though. Yeah, he's, uh, fair. he's another one of those fighters that, you know, people who watch boxing like, like we do will know him, but he's definitely under the radar. And, uh, over time, should he keep performing the way he is, he'll definitely come onto the scene very strong. And And on Saturday, to beat him, you know... Mahmood was was a solid performance and a solid outcome in terms of what we can expect from him in the in, in the future.
0: I think Mahmood's come out of it with a lot of respect as well from kind of things I've been reading and stuff. People certainly hadn't seen him before because he'd fought predominantly on the small halls managed by Steve Goodwin. And this was in a way even though he didn't win the fight it was still kind of his coming out party and I think he'll get more
1: opportunities off the back of it even if that means going back up to featherweight. That's that's what's uh, great about all these you know shows at the moment. You know, even Nathan Bennett, we don't know much about him, but should he should he put in a good shift against Dalton, win or lose, he's gonna, he's got his his profile is gonna go sky high. Back
0: at BT Studios on Friday, we've mm-hmm. got another Queensbury hey, promotion show and a good main event. I'm not overly sold on the undercard. I think it's fair to say we found out today that Jed Smith's going to be the opponent for Keevan Ajarko, who is an incredible middleweight prospect, multi-titled Irish amateur, um, got real world-level ambitions, still early in his career, obviously, but Jed Smith, you know, mainly fought as a welterweight, was aiming for a fight on Siesta's Cold War show out in Belarus, and that fell through for whatever reason, and he, that was going to be up between light middle and middle, or super welter and middle, but he is a welterweight, tall as he is, he's still a welterweight, and I think it's, it's a good fight, a good opponent to showcase, Keevan Ajarko. But yeah, yeah, main event, Lyndon Arthur against Dex Bellman, the prize on the line. A shot at Anthony Yard, a shot at the champ.
1: I am out of, out, you know, when we say, you know, the top, out of, out of the lockdown fights that we can say, okay, these are my top bunch, right? That one is definitely in the top bunch for me. I think Arthur against Bellman is a solid fight. Dex Bellman fought Shaq and Peters twice, put in, a, you know, a real good shift. Lost both times unfortunately for him, but really did put in a good shift. And we saw him in the ultimate box at 20 men. He's a good fighter, man. He's a very good fighter. Very strong. Very he can be underrated at times. Uh but Lyndon Arthur coming out of Manchester, um, you know, he he would have had his shot against Anthony Yard, which would have been a very interesting fight domestically. Fortunately that didn't happen, obviously, but now he's got another huge hurdle to try and get that fight with Anthony because I hope, uh, you know, Lyndon's a serious fighter. I interviewed him the other day. He's very serious about what he does. But he, you know, he, this one he cannot underestimate at all. You know, there was some critical uh, words about him after his performance on the Josh Warrington, Kid Galahad card. No, it was the Josh Warrington and to 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 card. I think like
0: Mick Conlon. But yeah, that's another story.
1: Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah. So there was a lot of critical, you know... Reviews of of his performance that day. He can't have that against Dex Bellman because Dex will come to win, like seriously, come to win. And this is Dex's ticket, like not only to Anthony Yard, but in the domestic team to be like that guy again. You know.
0: See, I agree with you because I think I was going to say something similar that if uh, Lyndon Arthur puts in the same sort of performance as he did in winning that Commonwealth belt, he'll lose to Dex Bellman. Mm-hmm. You know, Dex Bellman. Although Lyndon Arthur said he still believes. The guy he beat for the Commonwealth is his best opponent on paper, including Spellman. I'm not so sure. I think Spellman's probably the best. He's a genuine light heavyweight, very talented, won um, several times at English level, only fell short at um, British against uh, Shakan, who's, uh, sorry, not British, but only fell short, sorry, against Shakan, who's a really good fighter and a really awkward fighter to face for a light heavy as well. Um, And he's obviously got that. Um, the tragedy that occurred against Scott Westgarth. He still yeah. carries that with him, but uses it as a motivational tool as well as anything else. He looks to win for his fallen opponent as much as for himself. And I think that will drive him on. And it's yeah. just it's just a really good fight. And it's no, it's no kind of foregone conclusion. And Spellman uh, said in the interview I did with him a few weeks ago that it's in the contract that if he beats Arthur, he does inherit that fight with Anthony Yard.
1: Well, that's his ticket. You know, uh, on paper, the other guy that Linden beat might have been better on paper, I don't know, but... Uh, from what I saw of that guy, and what I know of Dex Spellman over the, the last few years that I've known him, as in as a as a boxing fan, solid fighter, man. And you mentioned all those all those points you just mentioned. Those are like external motivations that will help him. Obviously, like you said, the, the Scott West Westcott tra- tragedy speaks about that a lot in terms of you know how he wants to do it for Scott and uh, the Anthony Yard tickets. Just you know, Anthony Anthony Yard is your ticket to, to world boxing now. You know, he literally is world-level boxing. The guy fought coverland The guy was, uh, you know, in line to fight Canelo at one point, there was talks. But, um, yeah, if, if if someone like Dex Spellman knows that opportunity is there for him to potentially go and fight a world, you know, a world-level opposition and beat him, I mean, I'm not going to say anymore. There, there, there's no words.
0: And as we spoke about briefly just then, uh, Mick Conlon's going to be fighting Sofia mm. Um uh, And... Carl Frampton has got uh, an Armenian opponent whose name escapes me as we're talking right now, Varan. I can't remember his surname, but they've both been added to Frank Warren bills over the summer. Um, Good news that they're kind of sharpening up, especially for Frampton. He'll still be hoping to challenge Jamel Herring at some point this year. Yeah, man. It's just,
1: um, you can never be uh, disappointed about a fight. Um, after lockdown can you because we're either getting some really good domestic ones or we're getting you know good fighters that we we admire back on the scene you know sharpening up their tools mick conlon great fighter and and carl Frampton was really unlucky to not have a shot with his whole weird injury with the hand that was so unfortunate um it's just good to see him get out man no one can really complain about oh he's fighting you know mick conlon's fighting to to, to, to cut or to shoot and uh and um Carl Frampton's
0: fighting disc user as well. So you kind of can't. I've just, oh, it's just come to me via Box Rec. Varam Vadanian, yeah. Um, bit of a papery record or well-papered record by the looks of it, but you want Frampton to be sharp going into the Herring fight. So as long as he gets a few rounds, that's what matters. Herring's going to have a tune-up as well, presumably. So, yeah, of
1: course. Um,
0: but yeah, be I want to
1: actually finish. Uh, as we're reaching our time, I think we're on 24 minutes now, but as we as we reach the end, we gotta we gotta touch on the PBC shows, man. America, I've, I've stood up, they come through with a very good finish of the year, very good.
0: Yeah, I think the um, the kind of double pay per view, the, the kind of split show, the afternoon and then the evening featuring the two Charlo brothers is especially good. I think it's, it's a good show, yeah, yeah. So that you Not pay one, one pay per view price for the whole thing but it'll be split. So one portion will be shown in the afternoon and one portion will be shown in the evening.
1: Why split?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, Lou Bella said he really liked the concept, so I'm not really sure what the reasoning behind it was. But I guess maybe TV-wise, gives people a break from watching a big long card. Maybe it enables them to show more fights as well because of two different um, broadcasting slots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either way, um, looking forward to it. I think they're both really good fights as well and um, the two Charlie brothers, one uh, against Revy and Chenko, one against Rosario. I think they're excellent fights.
1: Brilliant fights, both of them. But then again, um, those two were great. They also somehow put on Javante Davis against Leo Santa Cruz. Wow. And then at the end of the year, you got Nino Donaire against... Uh, uh, What's his name? Martin. That's it. What, that, mate, PVC have come through. They have come through with some really, really good shows to finish up the year would you say they've they've come with the best lineup
0: yeah i mean because it includes a lot of their high level fighters mm. you know fight camp's really good but there's only one pay-per-view show out of four but pbc did the smart thing by announcing their whole schedule from now until the end of the year which obviously includes two or three pay-per-views so it means they can include more of their high profile fighters in the announcement i think the idea of announcing everything as a as a group is the best thing anyway, same as
1: Eddie did with fight
0: camp. You know, you've got to do that because it gets you the most press.
1: Well, let's, let's, uh, let's give a round of applause to boxing to be able not to just, you know, Frank did it with his cluster of shows. Eddie did it with his four weeks of fight camp. PBC coming through with not just a month, but six months. of of action like where where, how how in boxing danny have they for the first time ever in history been able to put on so many fights all at once it's incredible we're living in 2020 with weird times and it only gets weirder when we see uh, things actually happening in boxing the
0: the the old saying is necessity is the mother of invention and i think that's been proved true here we just need a no a pandemic every year maybe i don't know i'm not really wishing that on anyone but yeah (laughs) Let's not do that. let's uh,
1: let's finish the, let's finish the pandemics right here. No right, more pandemics.
0: Before, before we before we go, what's the fight you're most looking forward to this weekend? Uh, good question. does it have to include the BT one as well? Yeah, just the whole weekend which fight are you most looking forward to? Well,
1: that's a really good one because i'm I'm actually caught between Arthur and Spellman and Gilbert Lottie. One of the two. I don't know which one. I like, well, I like both. Pick one. Get off the fence. No, I can't. I I, I, I like both very similar. Like, they're very same for me in terms of which one I like. All right. Well, I'm not going to go
0: for either of them. I'm going to go for Cheeseman Egginton. It's predictable, but I just think it can't help but deliver. It might not be the best um, technically pleasing, but if you just want a knockdown drag-out fight, on a weekend when you're sitting down at home or at the pub or wherever you're going to be, socially distanced if you're at the pub, of course. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great, isn't it? It's going to be very exciting. The only disappointing thing, I suppose, is that there is no crowd because that's the sort of fire that would really pull the crowd into it. For
1: sure, man. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, I I wish there was crowds for this. But one thing we can do, like you said, (laughs) if you are going to the pubs and watching it, if you are, you know, having a little party watching the boxing, don't forget to...
0: Mask up. mask up. Scary thing is that Phil had, had that before any mention of a pandemic. That's just part of his wardrobe.
1: It's how, I, it's how I dress. I'm swagged out, Daddy, you know it. I'm the best dressed man in box. I'm
0: surprised it's not, like, jeweled up or anything. There's no bling on the uh, mask. Well, I'm actually thinking to get one done. Yeah? You, <laughs> you know, get, get, get a majazzle on your it's mask.
1: A, a bit of sprinkle a sprinkle of, of uh, awesomeness on it. Tune
0: in next week, guys, to see to see was, how Fuad pimps his mask.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and tune in next week for a live and much. But well, this one was a very good episode. I think we we hit a lot of uh, we hit a lot of subjects there. But as you can see, me and Danny have had very long days today, so we're lacking a bit of energy today. But we still got it done. We're we're very we're the most motivated guys in the game, and uh, we're due our respect. That's we're we soldiers,
0: do. pure pure OG soldiers. And we'll be back here live next week, Tuesday, 6 p.m., and we look forward to seeing you along with us. Peace, guys. See you soon.